Tanya for the 26th of the year, but first the story. Rabbi Shol of Ruzhin um, was once in the house of the Magida Mezrich. Makes sense. He probably was a very young boy at the time. And he saw a man come into the Magida Mezrich with a whole list of brachas that he wanted. Different blessings of this and different requests that he had for the Magid. And while he was requesting all these things, Zusha of Anapoli walked in as well. Anipoli was able to see things the regular people weren't able to see. And he looked at this person and saw right into this person's neshama and saw the sins that this person had done, very serious sins. And he was horrified that this man was just standing in front of the market so, caval was so cavalierly, if that's a real word, while he had such a shopping list of sins on his, on his itinerary, let's put it that way, on, on what he had done in the past. And he couldn't believe it. And Zusha turned to this man and said, a man has done this and done that and done this. Is he not ashamed to stand in front of the Magid without even a little bit of tshuva in his heart? And after the man left, I mean, Zusha gave him a real, a real talking to. And after the man left, Zusha came to the Magid with, a, with extreme regrets that he had just blurted all of that out and that, that, he, had, that he, had, he had spoken like this. And the Magi gave him a bracha. The Magi gave him a blessing and said, from this day and onwards, he's not going to see any evil inside a Jewish person. He's only going to see good. And all the following stories you hear of Rebzushas continuing from that point all have that same theme, just seeing the, seeing the goodness within another Jew. It's a beautiful story. The Tanya so far, we, we, we're in chapter 51. And chapter 51, 52, and 53, the last concluding chapters of the Tanya are, com are complex. They're continuing off from an idea mentioned in, in in a few chapters, starting from chapter 35, and they're dealing with, if you want to summarize, God's presence in this world. And in order to understand that, I'll, says, I'll give you a great example. And the example has three parts. It's the relationship between the soul and the body. Relationship number one, like mode number one, item number one of the relationship is that the soul has this overwhelming non-relatable element to the body it in interaction with it interacts with it in a just a all encompassing powerful energy that just cannot relate to a specific energy a, a part of the body imagine looking at a at a soul in ganadin there's no foot part of the soul even there's no brain part of the soul it's just a soul and how do you say the soul how, how does the soul relate? it relates in just general powerful relationship that that doesn't constrict or restrict itself to a particular element that's item number one that's mode number one of the soul's relationship where it interacts with every part of the body entirely equally and entirely non-equally because well not non-equally but entirely not at all because how can a soul relate to our body a body is a physical corporal earthy thing and the soul is sheer spirituality sheer godliness what correlation does it have? It has some because it's the soul of that body, but at the same time, it's equally found and equally not found in every single part, entirely equally. You can't say that on that mode that the soul is more in the brain and, or in the toenails. I mean, it makes a difference for the soul. The soul is just the soul. It, it, it doesn't relate in such a way with the body. That's mode number one. Mode number two is the way that the soul has a specific way of downloading itself into the brain. One way of looking at it is it, there are lower parts of the soul, and those parts of the soul are able to download itself into the brain. That's part number two. And the lion's share of the, that soul's energy goes into the brain. As you can see, the brain is a highly complex thing, and the toenail a lot less complex. And third way is how the 
that energy from the brain splits itself up and starts to apportion specific packages of energy to each individual part of the body independently, which means the brain gets the lion's share, but the nose and the mouth and the eyes right next to the brain receive a, a very, very high package of energy, while the toenail and the fingernails and the hair and other parts of the body that don't do that much receive tiny little packets of energy. And every single packet of energy is entirely catered and specific to that particular thing, exactly as much as it needs, no more, no less. If it was more or was less, that part, body part would be unhealthy. So the soul's relationship by way of its, you know, and root of the brain enables that particular part of the brain to receive its energy. And I want to disclaim before I start today, Tanya, I, I, in order to prepare the Tanya, I did, I did, um, I, I learned, and the different ways of understanding today's Tanya, and they seem to be running in contract in conflict one with another. I'm going to pick one approach, the one, the one that I, it made most sense for me. Yesterday's Tanya, we talked about the all-encompassing energy, this energy of the soul as it relates to the body that it, it just, it doesn't relate in a specific way. And we said the same thing with God. God's way of dealing with the world, there's a part of God, a godly energy that is equally hidden everywhere. The highest world has no understanding of God, no relationship to God, and the lowest world has no equally, equally no understanding or relationship with God. That's mode number one. Now we're going to skip mode number two and go to mode number three. That's the way I understand. Sorry, that's it. Yes. The difference between the higher and lower worlds. So mode number three, where the nose is getting an entirely different packet of energy than the toe. The difference is not in the concealed, godly, true, godly energy, let's call it, but it's in the revelation. As God now says, okay, I want my light to be revealed. I want, I want this world to exist. Well, in that element and then that mode in mode number three well the highest world has such powerful revealed godly energy this world on the hand go try and look for godly energy you're struggling and if you see it most likely that you're a little bit a little bit crazy this world has such a glimmer such a tiny fraction amount of revealed energy which means it's pretty much impossible to, to find and and this is the reason why this revealed energy is called light instead of other. So many examples where you could talk about the connection between something and something else. For example, water, the flow of water. Why does God not say, why do we not use an example of godly energy that pours into this water, pouring into this world? But God pushes the water, water being an analogy for his energy, and that comes into the world. And the answer is, when you touch that water, you put your hand inside that water, it actually impacts the pusher that pushes that water. You might not feel it because it might, not, might be so tiny, much of an impact, but it makes a difference to the flower when you mess around with the flow. With light on the other hand, you could block the light. It doesn't impact the, the, the light bulb. The light bulb will always give the same amount of light, no matter how many obstacles you put around and how much you start pushing the light back towards the light bulb. The light bulb doesn't care. It just continues to give energy. It's not impacted in the slightest. That's just in brackets, by the way. But what's the point? Let's continue. The third mode, when we skip the second mode, and we'll talk about the second mode, the second mode is going to be Shekhinah. That's kind of the most important topic of what we're revolving with. The third mode, it's energy as it is catered to every single thing. The brain has a powerful ability to 
portion, the sod, the sole power, each to each item as it's needed in a revealed way. The toe only needs a tiny amount of soul energy as it, as it filters through the brain. So the brain says, okay, no worries, I'll give you a tiny amount. This world is the same thing. This world over here only needs a tiny amount of revealed energy of God. The higher worlds, on the hand, need an incredible amount of um, energy of revealed God. So the highest worlds have powerful revealed energy. This world, barely anything. The lower world, even the spiritual lower, the world's way higher than this world compared to the world's way above it. The amount of revealed God, the energy that they're getting is a lot less. Imagine, like, for example, the stomach compared to the eyes and the ears, the stomach's getting a lot less. At the same time, compared to the toenails, a lot more. Everything gets its own energy as, as specific to it. And in the world, the same thing. This world, tiny amount. The higher spiritual world, a little more. Higher, higher. And everything gets exactly as much as needed. And every single thing has a reduction in energy. And a reduction not just in the amount, but also in the quality. The quality and the quantity of that energy. As you go lower and lower down the body, and as you go lower and lower down throughout the progression of worlds, each of those are getting a massive drop off of energy as needed, of course, for this world to exist, but as needed for every single world independently. So in summary, what are we saying today's time? It's complex. It's an involved topic, but what we're saying is like this. We're comparing the God's connection to this world to the soul's connection to the body. And we're saying if we want to understand the three different modes that the Hashem has, his relationship to this world, we need to understand the three different modes of the body and its relationship to the soul. Thank you so much for joining us. Anya, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us.